Ages is a game where you will learn as you play, and we strongly recommend experiencing your early runs on your own to enjoy everything without spoilers for the first time. This podcast will assume you have reached the final boss, unlocked all the weapons, and met all the characters. Any additional spoilers will be disclosed in the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Hidden Aspects, a podcast about Hades. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat, and we are joined this week for episode number one by some wonderful friends from the Blizzle Discord. So please give a warm welcome to Daniel. That's me. I'm Daniel. Stormrage Sheldon. To Ted. Hello, I'm Ted. I'm waving at you. You can't see me. And Hadija. Hey, all. Hadija. Hello. Thanks so much for coming, friends. Uh, we'll be getting to know them in a little bit, at least in the context of Hades, the game we know and love. But you can also get to know everyone by following our social media accounts. In addition to following us on whatever podcast platform you like, check us out on Hidden Aspects on Twitter. That's at Hidden Aspects. Or you can join our Discord. The link is in the show notes. You can also find it on that Twitter account. So we're going to start off uh, the structure of the show. We're going to start off with a interview section to get to know our guests. We'll do some build bragging in the middle, because you all know we like some good build bragging. And then at the end, we'll do our weekly guest topic this week. It's going to be on run shaping. So get ready for that. Just to get started, we want to get to know our friends. So, hello everyone. Hadija, you get to start. What is your background with gaming in general, and what would you say is your main game of choice outside of Hades? Uh, so I am, um, I, like, play play a lot of games in general, but also I work in the game industry. I'm an effects artist uh, at Moonshot Games. Um, outside of Hades right now, it's probably, I guess it's probably Among Us. Ooh, uh, <laughs> the game of the moment? But, but, uh, but pretty much all my time goes to Hades, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. And, would you consider yourself, if you look back at your gaming history over the years, are you more of like a, a nomad gamer of sorts that you move to whatever's playing, or or have you done the game as lifestyle thing for any game in the past? Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not much of a lifestyle gamer. There are very few lifestyle games that I play because I just I want to be able to play a bunch of different things. Um, that is definitely one of the things about Hades that has been really appealing is I just I really dig single player games and uh for a single player game Hades has a remarkably active and robust community right now which I enjoy very much uh but it's also just a really fun game that is a good reason to like it and I strongly agree with all of the things you said uh it helps that every other gaming community is also a Hades community right now that's kind of the thing that we've been noticing <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's, uh, I think we can definitely relate to that feeling. Uh, so Daniel and Ted, I'm going to ask you this at the same time, because I know you from a podcast about a different game. Uh, so, Ted, we're going to start with you. What's your, what's your background with gaming in general, and what would you say is your main game of choice outside of Haiti? Sure. Uh, so I've played PC games for a long time. Um, I also played... Uh, card games for a long time so it's only natural um that i should be somebody who's into uh online ccgs of various kinds uh daniel and i do a podcast about hearthstone called blizzlet um uh, nominally about hearthstone uh and uh yeah i would say like main game wise like i'm i'm the the big thing that i'm into gaming wise is rpgs uh, I really like RPGs. Um, I like single player games a lot. Uh, pretty much the only multiplayer stuff I play is uh, is card games. Um, but yeah, so uh, I like CCGs. I like uh, single player RPGs, and uh, I I don't know. Um, I like tact. I I'm. It's weird. Uh, I'm usually not like an a huge action gamer. I have played Diablo and enjoyed Diablo, um, but I'm usually into like. Uh, at tactical things uh, and strategic things. So Hades is a little bit of a different, uh, a different thing for me, but man, oh man, is it absolutely my game of the moment. Um, 
my main game other than Hades. Um, I do keep up with Hearthstone uh, because of our podcast. And then I just drift around to very single player things. Most recently, that was Disco Elysium, which I highly recommend. Mm, yeah, that game had really excellent writing. Really, really excellent. I mean, the entire game was basically a screenplay by David Mamet. Very good stuff. Daniel, what about you? Give us, a, give us the same background. I mean, you and Ted are on the same podcast. We are, and it is sometimes about Hearthstone. Ted often talks about Magic instead, or really any game other than Hearthstone. So it's hard to call it a Hearthstone podcast, but we do do our best. Um, I, I play a lot of different games. I think that I, I've rarely been a uh, lifestyle gamer on any of them. I've played World of Warcraft, but I've been one of the few people that's played World of Warcraft casually for like 15 years. Like I've never been an endgame raider. I'll just play through the basic content and then I'll unsubscribe and then I'll wait for the next expansion and then do the same thing. And I've also been into... I like tactic games a lot, turn-based combat. So I like games such as Fire Emblem, XCOM. These are absolutely my jam types of game. And I think it's interesting because, Ted, you, you mentioned that action games aren't typically your game. They're not typically my game either. I am not a fan of, in general, action games. I haven't really gotten into Diablo much. Uh, fighting games often bounce off of me. I'll play them for a couple hours and bounce off. But... I have not bounced off of Hades yet. That thing has stuck to me like industrial strength, strength glue, and I am glad. I will keep playing this game until my Switch actually explodes. Yeah, it's uh, as of right now, it seems like there is no end in sight for the Hades love, which, I mean, I guess that's why I started a podcast for a single-player game. Uh, but it's just, we should transition this. Hades has been taking the world by storm, the gaming world at least, since 1.0 came out. Now, all the early access players are listening to us and like, these dummies are dumb. Why weren't they playing this game two years ago? But I will tell you that I installed this game on my Switch, racked up 90 hours since it came out three weeks ago. It's a lot. I don't want to do the math. It's a lot of hours. I, it's, it's a good game. Um, so this is a part-time job. Yeah. That's nearly a full-time job. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I get paid hey, in happiness. When you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Which is good because no one's paying <laughs> me to play Hades. So, uh, Daniel, we're going to go in reverse order. Tell me what about Hades drew you in? What was what was the thing that grabbed you, if there was one thing? I think the thing that has kept me around so much has been the story. And, and I think Hades does just, just an incredible job of drip-feeding you in like, really, really important plot points, but combine it with very, very silly moments, very character-based moments. And, and so you get this, this beautiful combination of like, so this is how our world is building. And also that thing that you're going for is the main character. Let's keep looking at that, but only a little bit at a time. And and I will I will also say, uh, character design, art, uh, uh, there are some characters that I will have dreams about for days that are not safe for work dreams because those characters are just incredible. And just the way that, that the story is constructed and the dialogue and just the, the fact that you get to explore it in such a unique way, I think is just, it, I can't get enough of it. I want to keep learning more about this world. Yeah, the, the shout-outs to Greg Cassavin for building a world with this kind of depth and the whole super giant team, of course. You know how many voice lines there are in Hades, by the way? A lot. Several billion. 36,000 voice lines. 100% believe that. I've... Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's eminently believable. Yeah. It's absurd. Uh, like, uh, again, 90 hours in, finding new dialogue. Okay. Sure. Whatever. How about you, Ted? What, what grabbed you? <laughs> Well, um, I, I actually, uh, I played uh, Supergiant's Bastion way back in the day, I think like a lot of people, and uh, it really struck me. Um, I think it, it was a big hit at the time, really critically acclaimed, uh, and, you know, they, they were kind of on my radar after that as, a, as folks to watch. And I didn't really interact with Transistor, um, but... Uh, over the summer, I bought the itch.io bundle for racial equality, and it included the game Pyre, which is another super giant game. Uh, and I played it, and I was like, this is great. So I was really anticipating the the release of Hades, just based off the track record uh, of super giant games. And um, when I started playing it, um, 
uh, I very quickly realized that uh, this is going to be a game that I was very into. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, initially I was like, oh, this is like a, I was playing an action, you know, I was, I'm playing an action game, which I don't typically play. And I'm like, ah, this is taking a little bit of getting used to. But when I, that after that first death, when I went back to the house, right, the house of Hades and started having conversations with the characters in the house and I was like, well, that felt really good, right? That loop feels really good, right? Even if I, I don't succeed, quote unquote, right, in my escape attempt, um, I still have, I'm, I feel like I'm moving forward, right? I feel like things are happening. Um, I was like, okay, great. Well, we're going to spend, a, you know, over 100 hours with this thing. <laughs> Probably a couple hundred hours. Oh and goodness. Ted, I want to I want to ask ask you kind of a follow up question because I, I yeah. forgot to mention this, but I've always been a huge mythology nerd. Like Greek mythology oh, yeah. has grabbed oh, yeah. me for a very long time, and it's been mm-hmm. a while since I played a game that I felt communicated that idea of Greek mythology effectively. Did the fact that it was set during and around these gods that I'm guessing you're fairly familiar with impact your enjoyment of the game? Oh yeah, no, I I was a big greek mythology kid i can still picture the cover of the uh book of of greek myths that i uh, would carry around the house um as a grade schooler uh, and just read passages of i'm trying to find it right now it had a minotaur on the cover uh and so yeah the the fact that this was a world that uh i was already really invested in um was absolutely a big selling point for me adija what about this game really com- compelled you to play more uh, so, I mean, the reason why I picked it up is just because, uh, as as has been mentioned, like, Bastion, just right out the gate, really, really struck me. I, that game has been in my top 10 games ever since then. Uh, so, Supergiant is just a studio that I really trust, and I've enjoyed all of their games. Um, Bastion in particular before this. Uh, also, just like as a dev, I have so much appreciation for all of the devs there and how they're all just like A plus rock stars. So that's always super, super cool to watch. Um, Hades, Hades kind of caught me off off guard with how much I played it. Because I figured, like, you know, it looks like it's got some Diablo, it's got some Bastion. It's I like Roguelites, I really like Slay the Spire, I really like Dead Cells. So I figured uh you know, I figured I would probably spend a couple dozen hours in it. It has been more than a couple dozen hours. It's been a couple dozen because... hours more than a couple times. <laughs> it was a couple dozen hours in the first weekend, yeah. <laughs> um, but the loop is the loop is just so good. Like and it's good it's good i think regardless of what you're playing for if you're just there to try and make sweet builds then it's compelling you've got stuff that you can work for you can try and like shape this particular build you can try and like chase after this build that you've never done before um there are all of these different knobs that you can use to modify things and it's always kind of exciting what's in the next room in that regard it's compelling on the story side. All of the characters are amazing and has been mentioned complete thirst traps. Um, and so you like you look forward to all of the interactions both in the run as you pick up boons, as you run into NPCs, and when you die and you go back to the palace, you get the like you're excited. I think I've been excited for every step of the run, regardless of why I'm playing that particular run. And I've always been excited to die every single time. And so like the loop is just damn near flawless. It is the game that the people who made Bastion spent like the last decade getting better at all the things they were all already amazing at. And then they came and made Hades. I I want to I want to jump in on that as well, Hadija. You mentioned like the idea of the loop being perfect. For me, it's also the perfect length, just because every time I jump into the loop, by the end of it, I almost get to that point of like I'm a little tired of this build, I'm a little tired of this weapon, and it's just perfect timing because right when I get a little bit tired of it, I die or I go back to the beginning, and it's like great, I get to try something new, 
And yeah. I think that the, how they managed to nail that is just impressive. Yeah, yeah. Like every time, every time I am like, I get back to the palace and I'm like, I want to try this other thing. Or I want to try and replicate that, but better or something. And you can tell as well the game has been polished to a mirror shine after two years in early access, which I could not imagine the pressure of shipping a full product eight times a year as a developer seems insane. Um, but the product that's been put out has been scrutinized by thousands and thousands of hours of community feedback for every single release, for every single item, just nonstop iteration uh, on top of a core concept that was already very well thought out and very well executed, in addition to incredible creative, both in terms of the art, the music, and the writing on top of that. Uh, really an exceptional accomplishment. I mean, if you're listening to this, it's a Hades podcast. You understand how good the game is. Um, now, Hadija, you are a developer. You are a visual effects artist by trade. What are some cool things that Hades does that you notice that people without your background probably don't understand how much we enjoy? I mean, as as you have as you have said, uh, this game has been very heavily scrutinized at this point. So, like, I am I am kind of dubious that there's anything that I've noticed that other people haven't the like I'm repeating myself a little bit here but the the loop was definitely something that jumped out at me just because that is that's a hard tightrope to walk and they did um on more of the art side in particular I think one of the one of the things that Supergiant has always been good at, but I think has really shined in Hades, is Gen Z has a very distinctive art style that is kind of hers, and she experiments a lot outside of that. And you see that you see that in Hades. You see a fair number of different art styles. Um, one of one of the things that I have been really, really impressed with is how well they took her style and took it into 3D for everything. They've done this before. They've done this since Bastion. But in Hades, it is just so beautifully consistent and painterly and just like phenomenally cohesive. Uh, And it just kind of, everything feels right, even though the portraits are, you know, pretty clearly 2D in a way where the game looks 2D but isn't isn't quite the same style. The effects uh <laughs> I feel that I've nerded out about this to you guys so many times now. But they have so many different styles of visual effects in this game to a help keep combat feeling very consistent. The combat effects are always the same. The combat effects read exactly the same and are instantly recognizable throughout the entire game. That is incredibly important to gameplay. And they do that really well. And then on the environment side, they experiment around with a bunch of really different stuff, especially in the effects for each of the rivers being a little bit different. And that really helps to like separate all of the all of the levels in a way that I think is not usually played with as much like things like the having very unique palettes and having different you know different enemies and stuff like that across different levels and all of those kind of matching together like that's a very common thing in game dev but like tuning parts of the style on each level at just such a base level as like whether this one looks like a pencil test or a flash animation or just some really cool shader work like stuff like that is a a very bold move when most games i think strive for like as cohesive a style as possible but also just like they pulled it off uh and that's been something that i've kind of noticed more and more of over the course of their games. Bastion was very consistent. Transistor was quite consistent. Pyre, they really started to experiment a little bit with having some different styles between portraits, the overworld, 
more of the actual gameplay. And here they've just done it even more and I think continued to succeed in a way that is amazing and just speaks so well of the team. Yeah, if you think about it, the the different areas and worlds are so fundamentally distinct down to the base level that they all have their own moods and vibes and music and enemies and everything. Uh, but that's like making four different game worlds because Supergiant doesn't half-ass these things. They they fully think out the the theme for any world that they do. You think about a world like Bastion Transistor and the world building was so consistent. They did that four times. Pretty impressive. Uh, not to not to mention the the post game area, which is also very consistent in a, in a small slice. Um, and yeah, you're right. the The color motifs of the attacks, they hadn't really even thought about it, but just each god having their own clear color and those effects being so distinctive is really cool. And that you can tell as well when the gods' attacks are used against you in the Theseus fight, for example, which god is attacking you, and you're like, "Come on, Athena, what did I do to you? What's going yeah, on?" Yeah, what the frick? Yeah. So yeah, that's an excellent point. I'm glad to have your insight on that. And then Daniel and Ted, you were in a Hearthstone podcast. It's a very different game. What part of Hades do you think appeals to the card gamers in us? Daniel, go ahead. Why don't you start us off? One of the things that I think is really, really solid about this that we've kind of already touched on is is similar to roguelikes within card games. Of, uh, For example, in Hearthstone, it has uh, similar ideas to Dungeon Run, a card game that is just a roguelike itself. It's Slay the Spire. And I think what is appealing about that is that every time you're like, all right, what is what is optimal? What is the best way to combine these things? And, and I think that there are kind of two different ways to think about that of to borrow magic the gathering terms spikes of like what is the literally the most powerful way uh that i can that i can do this thing like if i combine these powers plus this power how can i break the game and then there are timmies uh which are like hey how can i have fun with this how can I, what is the weirdest combination of things? Like if I do uh, like a hangover plus plus a push and my goal is just to like have no one touch me the entire time, but it'll take forever. Like what what are the combinations? And this game allows you to do both of you can play the, the combat just for the crazy fun of it. Or you can play the combat to genuinely be the, the best build, the most effective build and everywhere in between and i think that that's very similar of card games if you got people that play to see these really cool cards with cool effects and it's like whoa how cool did that go and then there are people like all right how can i kill my opponent in five turns and you get both ideas both mentalities uh present and thrive i think in this game had anything to add yeah uh, and i'll just say i think that there's something philosophically similar uh, in a card game and a roguelite, in both cases, you, ha- you have elements that are the same uh, game to game, but are remixed, reshuffled, presented in different orders, right, or in different varieties. And so there, there's, I think, something philosophically similar, right, between the roguelite and the, and the collectible card game. Um, getting to play with all the different boons in Hades is almost in a way, like getting to open up a new expansion for a card game, right? You're like, ooh, let me play with this new toy. What does this new toy do, right? How can I combine it with some other, with some of these other things? So it's, I think we, ta- we, we talked off, off air about this a little bit, but it's, it's almost akin to deck building, right? The way that you can put together boons in a Hades run. So yeah, there's, there's definitely some of that same decision-making uh, itch scratching going on there. Good answer, good answer. Yeah, I agree. And I think also if we look at the recent auto-battler craze, um, when you look at how different tribes overlap, especially in more traditional auto-chesses, like Dota auto-chess or Underlords or whatever, um, they had each, you know, each class kind of had its own uh, set of of buffs when you had X number of that class and trying to figure out which two work together. It's really fun to see that in action in Hades, especially with how the duos overlap. All right, so we got a lightning round. Favorite aspect? Ted. Uh, if I like so many of the aspects in this game, but for me, it's got to be the aspect of Eris, which is an exegriff aspect. Um, and I, I like it just based on how, how strong it makes the, the exegriff, which is at this point my favorite weapon. 
Um, you can get uh, incredible uptime on the Eris buff, which is a flat 75% damage increase to everything you do. Um, I really, really like that aspect. Uh, so yeah, great stuff. Gosh, I think I'm I'm blanking on the name. I apologize. It might be what Ted just described, but uh, manual reload on Exegriff is the one that I'm trying to get the hang of right Hestia. now. Hestia. Hestia, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like... Most mostly the reason I'm trying to get the hang of it is because my friend challenged me to, but it's a like it's a really interesting one because it can kind of turn Hades into a rhythm game on top of everything else that Hades already is, and so it's just kind of like weird and fun in that way, and it's not it's a play style that's wildly different from how I normally play, so that's that's the one that I'm working on right now just because it's it's appealing to me and how different it is yeah it's a it's a very strange play pattern compared to what you, what we're used to with hades because it but it is almost rhythmic in a way but that's big chunks of damage big damage big fan what about you daniel uh i think it's the aspect of correct me if i'm wrong talos the magnetic gloves oh yeah the scorpion fist basically the get over here <laughs> i i such a big fan yeah because one of my favorite things to do with with fists is just like all right how can i pump out as much damage as literally physically possible and so i if, if i can do that i'll combine that and then add in some of those quake kicks and just uh, smash attack smash attack smash attack smash attack and pray that I will kill them before they kill me because neither of us are going to avoid any damage. It is just who can do the most. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm a, I am partial to Fist myself, and I think Hidden Fist and Talos are in contention for favorite aspect here, but Talos is just so much fun. They're just like... Especially when you when you yoink them over uh, with, uh, I don't know, anything that has a debuff so you can get status on them, and then you Poseidon attack them away, and you're just like... Zoop, and you just yank him in and then shove him out. Big fan. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Uh, favorite character while we have you here, Daniel. I, I mean, I, th- I think that this is going to be a character that many of us are going to appreciate. But for me, it's Dionysus. He's so unbelievably unique. And I think that Dionysus is, from mythology, I think a god that kind of gets thrown under the rug in a lot of stories and a lot of ways. But they highlight him. They highlight what makes him useful in a weird sense like I, th- I look at i think of dionysus i'm like ah well he can party cool but i can see this i'm like oh no that's actually really useful in both in a combat and non-combat and he he's just a he's a good bro who uh isn't as bro as poseidon for example but he just he's so unique from everybody else and the voice acting is just on point and there's so much about Dionysus that is just, oh, chef's case. I'm so bad at narrowing these things down. It's hard. Uh, yeah. I am I'm a big Chaos fan. I just appreciate that they're just kind of like, you know what? This is, I'm digging this, so let's do it. Like, I just kind of appreciate the, for, for how formally they talk, there is like a complete lack of pretension there of just like, you know what? I'm digging this in for this particular moment. So let's go. Let's do it. Um, Dionysus is very high up there for all the reasons mentioned. He's a good boy. Uh, Meg and uh, Meg's arc in particular is one that's just kind of like absolutely like got my heart in a fist clench. Uh, She's very compelling. There are a lot. Cerberus is the best boy. Oh, the best boy. Yes. And there's an achievement on Steam where if you pet the dog 10 or more times, you get an achievement and like 20% of players have gotten it and the rest of you, I want you to go pet the dog right now. Go pet the dog. I think I got it the first night. (laughs) Because you pet, you pet the dog at least once every loop. That's, we all know that. That's the law. Yeah, but then that's sometimes, just how it sometimes works. Sometimes you just go sometimes back Sometimes you seconds. have to pet him multiple times. Yeah. Happens. Uh, favorite character? Uh, so, man, you guys have already mentioned some of my favorites. So I'm going to shout out a character who uh, I don't know that 
they would be a character I'd like to hang out with necessarily, but I love this take on the character. Uh, it's uh, Demeter. Um, I Demeter is, is the goddess of seasons, and if you know if you're Greek myth aficionado, right, you you sort of understand on an intellectual level that she's powerful, right, and potentially a scary person. Uh, but Hades uh, takes that hypothetical and makes it very real. <laughs> and you get a sense from uh, Demeter's vocal performance that she would fuck you up and not even care about it. Uh, also, I don't know if I could say that on this, <laughs> this version okay, of the show. You're fine. Okay, great. I, one thing, one of my favorite things is the conversation that Zagreus has after you first encounter Demeter. And and he's like, wait, hold up. I thought that she was like chill and like harvest and springtime. And the conversation is like, yeah, but also winter and winter sucks, man. <laughs> and it was just one of those where I felt like the character was really speaking for me as the audience. And then the character in the world was very much in world responding to yeah, but think about this other very clear, obvious thing. And it was such a great, very minimal moment of storytelling. They say a lot with a little in the mm-hmm. game sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're very yeah. good at alluding to things that send a clear message. There's great economy of language. And Ted, also, to speak to your point in terms of characters that they're not saying evil, like scary, heavy things, but you know they could mess you up. Uh, shout out mm-hmm. to Nyx, because Nyx does not mess around. Oh, yeah. And mm. you were very clearly aware at a couple points in interacting with her that, oh, um, my existence is her plaything, and that's a weird place to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, and final lightning round question. Most hated enemy. I'm going first. It's witches in Asphodel. Screw that room. Can't stand it. Even if I have Divine Dash, I Divine Dash into fire, and I'm standing in fire, and I've spent... Decades learning to not stand in fire have not absorbed the lesson, but I have absorbed plenty of fire damage. That is the worst room. It sucks. Yeah, that's a tough room. It sucks. That's a tough room. Uh, not even going to disagree. For me, one of the my most hated enemies is the Doomstone mini boss from Ugh. Tartarus. Uh, I mean, listen, this thing rarely ends a run for me, but it often deals me like thirty damage. Right, and, and it's like uh, I'm cruising through Tartarus, and then I eat a big chunk of, chunk of damage on this mini boss. Um, and there's something viscerally upsetting about like getting hit by one of the lasers because for me anyway, if I'm not paying attention, that laser damage stacks up real fast and I'm like, ah, dang it. I should have been paying closer attention. Uh, but yeah, Doomstone messes me up. Other options for most hated enemy. Satyrs. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Game yeah, Satyrs. Yeah. Uh, Satyrs is going to be mine. I'll, I'll go my second Sorry. one. This is an enemy that you I can, do not say struggle Satyrs with. Again, as... they deserve it twice. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. <laughs> Especially when when they're not armored, they're not as big of a deal to me. But once they're armored, Dude, like a armored room with satyrs. four armored satyrs. Oh. I think if I can follow up on the satyr thing, I think one of the things that makes them normal satyrs, you learn their tells and you learn like when they're going to shoot their little darts, right? But yeah. then the armored boss version of the satyrs the shoots satyr. so many darts. He does machine gun loogies. It sucks. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a lot harder to dodge, you know, through or past them uh, with any degree of, of reliability. Yeah. Especially with, like, how good, like, Hades, Hades animations and how well they telegraph upcoming attacks and support interrupts and stuff like that. Like they do such a good job on that. And so with like, especially with projectile based armored enemies, I'm just like, "Mm." (laughs) but satyrs in particular. I think the enemy that gave me the most trouble for longer than I'd like to admit, uh, when I, when I first started the game, I don't even know what they're called, but they're in Act 1. They're just the chunky boys. Chunky boys, chunky girls. They're just yep. like, smash. And they just like dash into you with all their chunk. Oh, the louts. Uh, and it's just, I, I took so much damage from them. 
like I can handle one pretty easily, but in a room where there's like six of them and they're all just dashing at you in every direction, it's just, it was just exhausting. And I died to them so many times. <laughs> yeah, because they have that charge. Yep. They're giant and they're slow, except suddenly they move really fast and then you take a bunch of damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I got hit with one for, that was like practically off screen. And you're just like earlier today. And I'm like, I'm just like, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> I should have, I should, I knew it was over there and I should have known better, especially after this much time. But sometimes they still get you when they do. It hurts. Mm hmm. Health bar and emotionally. Yeah. Which are both, it's pretty closely related. It's, yeah. Times you'll take, it's a lot of damage to both. There are times when you're in Hades and you're like, that damage, yeah, I knew that was coming. I didn't dodge an attack or whatever. And there are other times you're like, that hurt me on every level that I was that I had available, and even some that I didn't know. I I will say the uh, this is the only the only thing I have encountered in the game so far that I like legitimately felt was a gripe, as opposed to just like a valid thing to include the game in the game, and I made a mistake. Uh, was and. There is, uh, when, it, when Hades does his beams, uh, I had, my, my dumb VFX brain looked at the beams, with, I'll, my character was already in Mason, so I looked, at the, I looked at a bunch of rotating beams with space in between them, and was like, the game here is to dodge in between the beams. Mm. And so there were like three runs of me just trying to play like merry-go-round with these freaking beams and failing miserably at it. And then finally on like my fourth run, I finally was just like, I should stand behind a rock. Every time, <laughs> every time that I have died and Hypnos has been like, oh, you died? Have you considered not standing in the death? And I was like, shut up, Hypnos, you're useless. I was like, you know what, Hypnos, I am sorry. You were right. I know you weren't talking about this specifically every time you told me not to stand where I was going to die, but it was, you were right. And that was, that was my bad. But that's like the only thing so far is like this, this, like this effect maybe could have been a little bit clearer. Maybe not, honestly, because I've been thinking about it and I'm not sure if like a full flood AOE would have been that much clearer. Uh maybe. Maybe not. But that's like the biggest thing I have the closest thing I have to a grape in this entire game after so many hours. And so I feel like that's kind of props to the props to the team, man. Again. If that's if that's the one thing. That's a good spot to be in if that is the biggest problem that we have in, in initial understanding. Um, and I will say all of yes. the boss fights are pretty overwhelming the first pull. And then probably after about five or ten, you're like, oh, I kind of get it. And the attack patterns are actually fairly straightforward. But it's you don't fight Hades until you're at the very end of a run. So it takes a long while and it's pretty easy to forget the attacks when, until you get there. And then he gets back up and things take a turn. And uh, yeah, excellent fight. Yeah. My runs went much better once I learned to stand behind the rock. Yes. Shout out <laughs> to rock. Um, so we're going to take a little, rock. little time here. We're going to do some build bragging. This is the opportunity where talk about your favorite build from this week or something cool you tried or whatever because, I don't know, the whole, the whole fun in playing Hades is like, oh, I had this build last night. Oh, I did that thing last night. Who's got a build? Ted, you got a build going on here. And, of course, we're, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about the heats that we're running on or however many clears we have, if we've cleared so far, but... No judgment. Everyone is going to play Hades, their own pace, their own level. It's you all do you. What you got here, Ted? Totally. So I've just been kind of jumping around to whatever has dark thirst. I think that's a pretty common play pattern because it provides so much variety. Um, and I'm up to about nine heat on a few different weapons. Um, but the build that sticks out in my memory is sometimes something comes together and you know, the roles in the game just give you a lot of stacking buffs to one thing, right? And in this case, it was attack. Uh, so I was on spear. I picked up the Daedalus hammer upgrade for, like, faster attack, right? Just hold down the button. You don't Hurry get down. a spin yeah, attack, yeah. which I never use anyway. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then I got uh, a chaos boon for, uh, I think, uh, increased damage to attack. Uh, I got the Hermes for further increased speed to attack. Um, I got, uh, what else did I get over there? Um, I had the Aphrodite attack bonus, right? Which is like a very high percentile bonus. Uh, so it was like very buffed, just primary attack, hold down the A button. Uh, and then I got the Athena call, which is the invulnerability one. Great call. <laughs> really good call. Good call. Yeah, and so I yep. yeah, put, a, put a couple palms into that bad boy and so I could turn on invincibility for, you know, about 20 seconds or so. Just hold down the A button and then that's it. Like that's all we needed to you do. Just got to in there and just, you stabbed. Just a little yep. stabbing. That's it. I like it. Some active stabbing. Nadeja, what about you? What's what's been your build of choice lately? Uh, my build, I guess, my builds of my builds of choice and my uh, my builds that I like really remember are quite different. Mm. I think probably because uh, because the second one is usually unusual. Uh, builds of builds of choice, I pretty much always try to get Dionysus if I can. Um, one of my best builds so far i think has been an ice wine build where i just like i just got a lot of dionysus and a lot of demeter and a lot of hangover stacks and all that sort of stuff like it was it was a ton of like bonus hangover stacks and you're you know you're taking less damage if you're standing in the fog and there was like some chill, some extra chill damage in there, and 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 and. Uh, that was one of the ones that was stronger. Was Demeter Dionysus? Uh, I'm also a big fan of Demeter and, or sorry, Dionysus and Aphrodite. Is just a pile of status effects that I really enjoy. The one that I have had recently that just cracked me up uh was an Ares build where I think I basically just got every single blade rift. <laughs> you got the you got the so, black metal so they were big, you got the vortex they sucked them in, you got the consecutive damage, yep. you got you got it all. Yeah. You have hunting blades? Yeah. Were, were you hunting and blading? I did. <sighs> I did oh. have hunt I had hunting blades and I had Ares as the call, so I could be a blade. It was great. <laughs> everything. It was ridiculous. It was yes. Everything is just a blade. Uh... Uh, so that was a. It was just fun slash funny, uh, and different from what I normally play. Because normal, like I either if I'm if I'm trying to win, then I play from a distance. Uh, I'll take bow, I'll take spear, I'll, you know, focus on status effects and dots and stuff like that and kind of try to stay back. Uh, but if I am feeling really dumb, then I'll take I'll take the fists or something and I'll just get Ares or whatever ridiculous aggro stuff and I will take way too much damage and I probably won't clear, but I'll have fun doing it. And that was that was one of those ones of just every single time I got another boon there were and that like buffed up the blade rifts in some way, I just laughed. And it was just a nice run. Yeah, it's you just when you get those runs where you see the same god over and over again and you get the legendary and then you keep seeing them again. It's like I don't even know what you have left, but I'll take it. It's <laughs> fine. I'll take it. Let's go. Yeah. Daniel. Give us some build bragging. So, uh, I I have two kind of very very similar builds, and I would say out of the four of us, I am the most casual player. I played on I play on God mode, and I've also only cleared I think three times is how many times I've, I've cleared the whole thing. So my experience is a bit different than everybody else's. But I both my builds that I really like are basically the exact same build with two different weapons. Uh, the first one was with my with my fists. And the magnetic pull, and I bumped up my special quite a bit, and I got some doom on that special. And then I got the Athena's Call, so invincible, and the thing where you heal when you kill with your special uh, on your fists. And so anytime I was like, all right, I'm low, time to go invincible and murder some things, and then I'd pop right back (laughs) up to full health. And I did almost the exact same build with sword, uh, except for that, you heal when you hit, not when you kill. And... 
boy, that feels really good when you can go invincible for like 15 seconds because it feels like you could just never die. And that's that's a very good feeling. I got it combined with Hermes of your God gauge fills automatically. Uh, plus, I think it was uh, Aphrodite's whenever you uh, whenever you dash, you get weak. No, it was her special or the cast of give the the weak and so nobody could deal enough damage to kill me at basically any point in the game and it was so much fun yeah invincible murder is the best murder it's just that's just how it works it's a good strat yeah it's uh and i've been a fan of i mean you know when you said Ares and athena i was like merciful end where merciful end at because that's definitely been one of the bills that i aim for on fist but the most fun build I had yesterday is uh, one of the ones that's really convinced me that the sword aspects are lit because Nemesis Sword was one of the weapons that I used early on um, because it was different than the base sword and it seemed kind of cool and I like critical damage, but I didn't realize when you max it out, it gives you a bonus 20% chance to crit and that stacks with Artemis's boost. So I put Artemis on attack for extra crit chance. I put Dionysus on dash. And I put Aphrodite on special. And so the special grants weak. Uh, I got all three duos. So I did more crit damage to weak enemies. Uh, weak enemies can take more hangover stacks. And then for every hangover stack they have, they have a higher chance for crit damage. So I was dealing constant, massive, big old critties to my enemies. And... I very much enjoyed that, and I was like, this feels delightfully synergistic in a way that was definitely intended, but makes me feel like a 1,000 IQ. Uh, so I'm going to try and run that back later after we finish recording the show. But I definitely had an idea that I was going to go in a similar direction, but I didn't realize it was going to work out quite so well. And I think this segues us pretty nicely into our topic of the week. The topic of this week is run shaping, is how to get a build to where you want it to go. So we're going to start. Ted, I know we've talked about this a bit. Do you want to give us a bit of an intro into what the concept of run shaping roughly is? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about run shaping, we're talking about having... Uh, this is actually a nice you know, callback to our earlier conversation about what appeals right between Hades and card game players. It's your game plan for the run, right? What's my game plan here? Um, and I think people pursue this to different degrees. Some people, and we'll get into this, some people start with a very clear idea of what gods they're going to try and recruit over the course of a run. Some people will roll the dice and they'll see what, you know, what gods show up and then they'll start shaping from there. Um, but, uh, one of the key components of this whole thing is being able to use the in-game codex to see what prerequisites exist for certain god boons and then picking boons right, with the idea of unlocking the possibility of getting things later on, right, getting certain duo boons or certain boons that have prerequisites. Um, and, and in this way, uh, trying to set yourself up to put a, a build together. Makes sense, yeah. It's all about the idea of when do I start thinking about how this run is going to go? Because you think about, you look at the icons on the left when you're playing. The, all those five mainline icons attack, special, dash, cast, call, those all really, those are kind of, they clearly define how your run feels. And if you're, if you're a beginning player and you're listening to this, you probably have very fond feelings about Athena's dash, and you should. Really, really excellent ability, really helps early progression a lot, and it's still good at high levels. Uh, but also, you think about, well, okay, where does Athena's dash take me? What can I combine that with? I could go with Artemis. I could do a little deadly reversal, increase my crit chance. I could easily go with, uh, of course, Merciful End if I get Athena somewhere else. Uh, but you can think about that with all the different abilities of where my mainline ability is going to take it, going to take this build. So, Daniel, do you usually target a specific build or do you go with the flow? Do you just see what's going on uh, before you make any decisions about what you're going to aim for? So I think that this kind of relates to, to again, something that, that we talk about in Hearthstone every now and then of like, what is your 
end game? What is your win condition? Because I think a lot of new players are just like, well, I'm going to play these fun cards and hopefully I'll find a way to win. And I'll be honest, that's how I play Hades. I go into a build and I go, oh, what a cool ability. And then if I like playing with that ability, I'll be like, ooh, how can I buff this up more? And if I don't like it, I'll be like, well, this was a mistake. I need to pivot and do something else. And so I've had games where I'm like, I'm going to start with Poseidon and all I'm going to do is push people around. And then I immediately got sick of it. And I was like, just kidding. Let's add in Ares and then do like so doom damage. And uh, it's for me... I think I'm still at the stage of the game where it feels more like exploration than trying to um, exploration over efficiency. Like, what do these different builds feel like? And I've tried a couple times of targeting specific builds, but so much of the fun of the game is like, all right, so Dionysus and Aphrodite, I imagine working this way together. And guess what? They always do. Almost every time you're like, this seems like a cool combination. It always is. And so just being able to discover those naturally has been so much fun for me. Yeah, there's very little in the game that's designed to not work at all. Uh, Like there are things that are less synergistic and things that are more synergistic, but it's very rare for the game to just give you combinations like, nope, this sucks. Uh, Now, I will admit, there was one time I got, uh, I was earlier on in my runs, I was grinding prophecies, and I needed the Hermes Legendary Greater Recall, which brings your cast back to you when they're done. And I needed the Artemis Zeus Duo Lightning Rod, which your cast stones drop lightning when you leave them out. <laughs> and I got them both in the same run. I said, you know what? Need the prophecy. And I know the suboptimal. Let's go. And so I had a bunch of cast stones that dropped gleeful little lightning bolts on the way, speeding back to me, invalidating the lightning rod, which is a very powerful duo. That's not a synergistic, but also pretty rare that you're going to get that exact combination and pretty rare that you would just, that you would take it. But I did. Adid, <laughs> are you more of a min-max or do you target something specific or do you go for the exploration feel as well or something in between? I'm a, I'm a little bit in between. In general, I'm much more just like kind of go with the flow i i have really enjoyed the kind of like process of discovering all this stuff part of like why i'm not really an early access or even much of a beta player honestly just because i like i really like being able to see like the entire game as the developers intended it all at once uh and so this is kind of kind of part of that just like enjoying discovering the game as i go uh i'm also doing you know some suboptimal things like like trying to fulfill prophecies while also trying to clear like you know clear clear more runs and ramp up heat and stuff like that so nothing nothing that i'm doing is strictly optimal um and the the discovery is still a lot of fun because there's still a fair bit of stuff that I haven't seen. Uh, that said, there are like once I probably probably by like the end of Tartarus, I am kind of starting to try and look forward at this point um, and kind of figure out like what am I what am I hoping to get? Do I want to do i want to go so far as to actually grab a boon to make sure that i do uh so that's something that i've kind of been starting to do more of just in like the last week i would say um so i'm kind of somewhere somewhere in the middle right now but by and by and large i mean the the chaos is just kind of fun and just kind of trying to string everything together and like see as many different interactions and stuff as I can has been really fun. And there are gods, there are gods that I like enough to where I really hope that I see them. I always want to see, like, I always want Dionysus boons. Uh, I'm always glad to see Aphrodite or Artemis or Hermes turn up. Um, I get a little bit nervous if I like start leaning really heavily Zeus or Poseidon at the beginning because they're just not as much my play style. But for me, the fact that there might be a run where I just get a bunch of ridiculous Zeus stuff or like the Ares one, which 
Usually I avoid Ares because I enjoy his boons a lot, but he makes me play really stupid. And so then I die quickly. Uh, That's what he wants, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, <laughs> the game, the game has got flavored down pat the whole way. So I have, I have been trying to shape a little bit more lately, kind of whatever, whatever the casual form of shaping that you can do is, that's kind of what I've been doing. Nudging, but, run nudging. Yes. Yeah, just kind of, you know, blink a little bit. Uh, But yeah, it's still kind of at the point where I'm kind of stoked no matter what happens. And if I get an objectively bad run, then it's just funny. Yeah. It's a story, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I think my style is probably it, to to do card game references, because my background is also, of course, in Hearthstone card games in general. Um, I tend to gravitate towards playing constructed rather than playing limited of thinking out everything completely before the run has even begun, as opposed to just rolling with what I get. Um, I am a habitual codex user, and for those of you that are unaware, because we recognize this is, it's gonna, we're gonna target a lot of Hades 1.0 players that may not be aware, um, and shout out to Jawless Paul for making an amazing video on this concept, we'll link it in the show notes. Um, the codex in the game, which you can up, up, uh, you can upgrade it for 50 gemstones to get a cool boon list that if you go to Olympian Gods and you hover over the god on the switch, it's the minus button, I'm not sure what the button is on PC, you can see all of that god's boons. You can see what the requirements are, and you can see if you have them. Every boon has requirements. Generally, for duos, it's pretty straightforward. You need one of those gods' mainline abilities. You need, uh, again, attack, special, dash, cast, or call. Some of them are more specific. Some of them, like Athena Dash, they've removed from some requirements because everyone just went for Athena Dash all the time. Um, and legendaries as well, you usually need scaling boons. Daniel, have you not done this before? You've okay. Here's the thing, Hat. You've told me about the codex so many times, <laughs> and I've gone into the codex being like, Where do I find this? and I've never been able to find it. So the fact that I had to buy it for 50 gemstones blew my mind because I'm an idiot. And I was like, Where does Hat see this magical list that doesn't exist? Yeah, you have to buy it for 50 gemstones. So, anyways, okay. um, you can see requirements duos again, it's usually two mainline abilities. Whereas with legendaries, you usually need a base ability, an enhancement for that base ability, and then you get there. Uh, and you can see the offering requirements on the right. And I will check this in room zero with Skelly after my first boon, and then after the next two god boons or so, just an idea, unless I already know what I'm going for. And I'll think about which duos am I going for for the entire run before I pick my weapon, usually, or maybe right after I pick my weapon. If I'm doing. Let's say, for example, uh, I'm doing well, Merciful and Fist is, is, again, the example I keep going back to because the run that I do the most, my favorite build. I'm like, all right, I need to take Athena first because I want Athena on special and dash. I need to take the special first. Then I need Ares next. I'll take the uh, Athena keepsake for Act 1, Ares keepsake for Act 2, get Doom in my attack, immediately go for uh, Merciful End whenever I see the two of them, and then figure out what I'm pairing with both of those. A lot of times I will pair that with maybe... Uh, I don't usually like taking Crush Shot, but Weak works really well with both Parting Shot and with Curse of Longing. You can also do that with uh, with Poseidon. You can do the Curse of Drowning, and you can get Unshakable Metal, which is really nice to have against bosses. You can do this sort of thought process from the beginning and just kind of chart out which abilities you're going for and which duos are going to work best with them and end up with a very powerful run. I found that combined with some of the later game Mirror Talents with Dark Foresight and Privilege Status and uh, God's Legacy, you can really end up with three or four duos a run, and it feels dramatically different from early runs when you're like, I'll just take what I get. But there's some risk in that, because yesterday I did a Haribo run where I was looking for hunting blades, and I took four keepsakes and got four different heroic rooms between Artemis and Ares when I had the requirements, and missed it despite having four rerolls. Can't always yeah. get it. And then yeah. the run just didn't work. Just did not function. Yeah, I did something similar hat the other day. I I tried putting together a vengeful mood build, right? Yeah, um, which is fun and, if you uh, like pulsing damage. Yeah, um, and I had a revenge effect for Zeus. I had a revenge effect for Athena. I had a revenge effect from Aphrodite, uh, and I had the requirements right for vengeful mood, but I missed it. Right, I missed I think three chances to to pick it up. So. It happens sometimes. The plan always doesn't doesn't always come together. Um, 
So I don't know to, to put myself on a spectrum of like, cause I'm imagining run shaping as a spectrum between, and I think I see hat on one end of the spectrum where he's like, I, I have an objective and I'm going to fulfill that objective during this run. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum is something like, yeah, I'll take what comes, right? I, you know, whatever, whatever uh, gets the handed Daniel, to me. if you will. Yes, yes. Um, I'm, and I think he's just somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle as well. And and for me, uh, sometimes I will go in with an objective, but a lot of times I'll just go in thinking, here's what I want on my primary attack. Here's what I want on my special attack, right? If I have a fast attacking weapon, I'll think, okay, I want some kind of debuff on my primary attack. doesn't matter which one it was, right? But I, I want some kind of debuff on my fast attacking thing. And uh, for my big slow attack, I want some kind of big damage multiplier, right? So I'll take whoever's offering. And then beyond that, I'll think, okay, let me get some debuffs going, right? Let me make sure I can inflict two different kinds of status so I can get that privileged position, tasty, tasty, 40% bonus. Um, and that is usually where I find myself run shaping, right? Is thinking, where can I get my debuffs? Where can I get my uh, uh, my stacking debuffs? Where can I get my big attack uh, percentage bonuses? It's uh, so it's funny. Just something that you reminded me of. Um, just mentioning that you're thinking about like what you want on your attack and your special in particular. I go into every single run looking for dash boons immediately. Like that's the first thing that I look for. Uh, I look for I look for dash and I look for cast and those are kind of like what I play with the most. I'm sorry, did you, uh, this is one of the things I really love about Hades is we have such different approaches to the game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because like I'm really prioritizing like attack and special, and you're really prioritizing dash and cast, right? Which are things that I'll pick up, right? But I don't make a, a priority at the start of a run. I think that's so cool. Yeah, and they both work, and I don't think either of us is wrong. Not at all. Like cast in particular, you can also tell they didn't intend for players to use it early on, which is why they lock the cast talents away underneath the ten key row. But later in the game, especially with Demeter, which you have to unlock, all of her duos are cast, all of them. Like I think there are a couple that are status based, but cast builds can be goofy strong, really, really powerful. Crystal clarity builds, Blizzard shot builds. Hades in particular is super weak to Blizzard Shot, Mirage Shot, if you have those two, and then you just spam them on top of him, he stands in the cold and he dies. It just, it's just nothing they can do. So it's a, it's a mechanic with a ton of depth, but also early game, you're not meant to use it, and I think that's brilliant how it evolves over time. Yep. Dude, I had a crit, like, long, like longer-lived crystals with critical on them. Yeah, yeah, the crystal clarity with the uh, yeah. with the glacial chill and the support fire and the and the hunter's mark. Oh, I love it yeah. so much. We have to we have to wind down the show because we all want to go do a run. Yeah, can we can we just can yeah. we break so I can go play more Hades, please? Yes. All right. So that's gonna wind down our show for the week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this first episode. Uh, we want to talk to everybody about where we can find you if we want to talk. In addition to the hidden aspects Discord, obviously. Uh, so. Adija, where can we find you on social if we want to chat? And uh, any shout-outs you want to share? Um, so I am I am on Twitter. I am Hadija B on there. Uh, since my name is weird to spell, uh, it is H-A-D-I-D-J-A-H-B. Uh, and I guess two shout-outs for me. One... My friend Connor, uh, who has introduced me to, uh, to like actually meaningfully planning out runs and stuff like that. So he is, he was my introduction to run shaping, and it of has. Of course he did. Of yes. Of course he did. Yes. He is a good man. So big ups to him. Also, just, you know, not, not a single person, but mad props to Art Twitter. Because they are, they have just been popping off ever since Hades came out. And that's just been, that's been pretty awesome to see. There's so many good things to draw in this game and so many people really good at drawing that are also yeah. playing the game. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Ted, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 
Oltedo, O-L-T-E-D-D-O. And uh, shout out wise, uh, I guess I'll shout out. Mm. Uh, mm. If if you played Hades and you enjoy roguelikes, uh, roguelites, I'll go ahead and recommend what I consider to be, you know, maybe the pinnacle of the genre, which is Slay the Spire. It's a card game, not an action game, right? But man, oh man, is it uh, is it incredible? Uh, so yeah, uh, check out Slay the Spire. It's really great. Um, yeah, and then Daniel, I'll let you I'll let you shout out our podcast. Uh, so uh, you can follow me. I am at stormrage23 underscore HS on Twitter. Rage is spelled R-A-I-G-E. And uh, the podcast that Teto and I do is Blizzlet, uh, B-L-I-Z-Z-L-E-T, where we sometimes talk about Hearthstone. Most times we don't. And we had Hat on on our most recent episode. So if you like, if you like Hat, uh, take take a look into our, our podcast, not you? his Hearthstone podcast, obviously, because ours is is more important. And I, I say that with all the sincerity, wink, that, that I can muster. Uh, and I want to just shout out the Blizzlet Patreon because I have learned so much about Hades because we have a dedicated channel and it is the most popping channel in our entire <laughs> Discord for a Hearthstone podcast. But like almost everyone's just talking about Hades all the time now. So thank you for that and for uh, sharing your fun little stories. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think every Discord right now has a very active Hades channel. I can speak the same for. For one of my Hearthstone podcasts as well. Yes, I do multiple. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. Um, so big shout outs to all three of you for for joining me here for episode one. Um, and really just everyone that's been supportive of the idea of me adding a third podcast to my stable. Because uh, it's a crazy idea and why would, why would, yeah. That feels like a very specific statement for a very specific person hat. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps a that's... person with an earshot of you? Uh, she's... She can probably hear me over the TV. I don't know. <laughs> but yes. Um, and yeah, shout outs to my wife because she's great. And she will also be on the show because she might be better than me. I don't know. She's played more than me. That's for sure. And she's cleared 20 heat. So good for her. Yeah. She's not messing around. It's Hadija saw her animal crossing hours the other day and was like, dude, yes. you have a gamer wife. And um, having been present for most of those animal crossing hours, I, I do deeply understand. So yeah, picked a good one. Well done. 10 out of a 10. plus. Woodwife again if I had to, but I don't. Um, so definitely follow the show at Hidden Aspects on Twitter. Subscribe on your podcast client. Join our Discord. Thank you so much for joining up. And until next week, we'll see you in hell.